0: Thank you for joining the Capital Church podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you, and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online, and visit our website at capitalchurch.co, or send us an email at info@capitalchurch.co. At we need to be in church this morning. You want to hear the word. You ready to receive the word? You ready to be a doer of the word? You better be careful to say yes, because that means you have to do whatever we talk about today. But the Bible says to be doers, not just hearers of the world word, not the world. Um, but good morning. I'm Tracy Wild Pace. It's a fun name. Tracy Wild was fun, but Wild Pace is even funner. So, or more fun. Sorry. Um, uh, but I'm Pastor Chris's youngest sister and his favorite. So, um, aren't I, Pastor Chris? He delayed. It was a delayed response. She wasn't even here. She moved away. She left us. So I should be your favorite. Come on. Uh, but no, I love um, Pastor Chris and Pastor Kelly. We're so blessed with our lead pastors and, um, and the direction that they give us. And Pastor Chris does, I and mean, he He is such a, talk about a doer of the word, someone who loves the word and and really applies it. And he encourages all of us. And we're blessed to be a part of his teaching team here at Capital Church. He tells us what we can say and what we can't say. And so I was really excited when I got this message this week. We've been talking about just the spirit way of living, like how to live um, in the spiritual realm, how to live by the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual practices and, um, and I got I got the message that I love the most. We're going to talk about community and together. And I love that because um, I, I don't even think I had a choice. I was just born into together. I was born into community and born into the church. When your pastors are the founding pastors of the church and you're a fifth, we, I think on one side we're like fifth or sixth generation preachers, Chris, aren't we, or something like that? Seventh? No, maybe. Uh, we're just... One side seven generation and one side like five or six or something. Anyway, we didn't have a choice. So if you don't like us, blame God because we tried to get out. We tried to run many times to something else and the Lord just said, no, no, Uh, just kidding. We love it. We love to talk about the goodness of God. But today we're going to talk about togetherness and we're going to talk about community, family, fellowship, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use a better word than all those because I think we've we've kind of ruined fellowship, we've kind of ruined community um, by our own definitions. Um, so today we're gonna talk about really being together on mission and use the word that the New Testament uh, hearers and those of the early church would have heard the word. They wouldn't have known the word fellowship, they wouldn't have known the word community, but they would know another word, and we're gonna talk about it this morning. So we're gonna go to the Bible. Does that sound good? Okay, the pastor Chris loves the Bible more than you. Okay, Acts chapter two, are you ready? Uh, Acts chapter two on the jumbotron. Aren't we grateful for that big, there it is. And they devoted themselves, this is Acts chapter two, remember the Holy Spirit's falling, it's Pentecost, crazy things are happening. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, there's our word, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. verse 43, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That, that sounds kind of crazy. All things in common? Right, right. Oh, you, you think that's normal? All things in common? I, I, none of you have anything in common right now. Like, right? We're all like, we have 10 different things going on. Come on, all things in common? That in and of itself is a miracle and a sign and a wonder. I don't even know if Dr. Luke is talking about healings. I think he's just talking about the miracles and signs and wonders Our people have all things in common. Man, you're not living in 2021. I think I'm the only one living here because I don't think anybody has anything in common. Somebody get excited about the word. All things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need this is powerful and day by day attending the temple the temple together somebody say together. together and breaking bread in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved man i love the book of acts i love it so much cuz it's the history of our church You could take a few of the gospels out and you'd still get a good picture of Jesus. You could take some of the epistles out and you'd still get a pretty good indication of what's going on um, with some of the the missionary journeys that Paul's established these churches, but you take the book of Acts, history's gone. And think about what's the power of Acts chapter two? The Holy Spirit coming upon them, unifying the body. Um, They're having all things in common. And then out of that flows, miracles, signs, wonders. Crazy things are happening. And can I tell you something before we pray and before we really get in this message? The same spirit that was a part of the early church is the same spirit that's a part of the church today. Come on, so the things that are true of Acts chapter two are absolutely to be true of the church in Jesus' name today in 2021, amen? If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will, but it will by the end of this service, amen? Amen. Come on, let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that this is your church, your idea. The church is your idea. The people of God are are your idea, your plan. And Lord, I thank you that you choose us to be a part of your mission and your purpose for this world. God, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear whatever it is you wanna speak to us about today. God, I thank you. It's you that speaks through me. Well, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for this church, Capital Church, one expression of your great mission here in the world. We're honored to be a part in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but something you learn in life, if you haven't already, you will, is that it's better to do things together, right? 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 Life is just better together. We use that phrase a lot. I know it's kind of cliche. It's not really. And that's the problem. We overuse like cliches and and sayings. They lose their power a lot of times. So then it just becomes words and there's not really anything to the words. But it's really true. We really are better together. Um, And we do. We can accomplish more together. Right? You get what is that? What's that old adage to say? We can go further, faster together or something like that. I don't know. You've seen it on Instagram. It's there all the time. Um, but come on, we're better together. Um, and this is something you just learn in everyday life. And and it came very real to Garrison and I the other day when we went and watched, um, like a few of the tribe of Pastor Chris's children. Um, we watched the little four. So there's the big three and then there's the little four and the little four are four under two. Um, and it's a blessing, you know, they are a blessing, Pastor Chris. So um, Pastor Chris had to, you know errands to run, Pastor Kelly and her her mom her mom was in town and they wanted to take the big three on a special date and so Garrison of course we'll go watch the little four, um, but just what an honor and so we go <laughs> no we we really do love them so we go over there and I love their house it's like there it's like trapdoors gates he locks. I can't open the doors to the, anywhere in the house. I have to call the big three to help me get in the bathroom. You know, it's like, how do I open this door? I'm hungry. The pantry's locked, you know, King, King is two. And he knows to open, he knows how to get in the pantry and I'm still trying to figure it out. So we're over there watching the little four for not even, I mean, it was probably like an hour and a half. It felt like 10 hours. So in the short time that we have them, Garrison and I are like zone defense, trying to figure out how to get, like wavy to stop eating everything she finds. I saved that kid's life like four times in a span of an hour and a half. Styrofoam, she had a little like cap from, God knows where she got it, I have no idea. Then she had Legos, thanks big three for leaving your toys around for the little choking hazards. So I'm like scooping stuff out of her mouth. While I'm doing that, Riley, the other two year old took off to the plant and there's dirt everywhere from the plant. Why do you have plants on the ground, Pastor Christ? You have four children that are like little destroyers. So I'm vacuuming. By the time I go take the vacuum back to the pantry, I can't open the gate between that part of the house. King can open it and Presley can open it. I can't open it, so I have to hurdle over the gate to take the vacuum back. By the time I get back, they've already done it again with the plant. And I'm like, this is maddening. So Garrison's like grabbing one kid, I'm grabbing another and we're laughing. And then don't judge. Parents, do not judge other parents or babysitters that turn on TV for the whole time. I don't care what you think about screen time. If you have four kids under two, they will watch TV all day long and they will be healthy and thriving one day. I will pay for their therapy, I don't care give me a break. I love those parents that are like, oh, you do that? Yeah, you have four kids under two. Oh my gosh. Oh man. But it was a blessing and we enjoyed it. But I couldn't imagine, we kept laughing and joking. It's like, how could one person do this? Like there's no way one person could do this job and four kids would be safe. There, Something bad was going to happen if one of us peaced out. And there was a few moments I thought one of us might, but, but it, was fun, and it was funny, and they lived, and their parents came home, and they're happy, and we survived. We were exhausted. But come on, everything is better together. We weren't intended to do things alone, and when we try— we don't attempt to get very far, and we certainly don't accomplish, I think, what we're supposed to accomplish on our own. There's some things we can do on our own, sure. It's not like you can never do anything by yourself, but isn't it better when you got a teammate, when you've got a whole team around you, if you have partners that are on the same goal, the same mission? That's why we like sports so much, right? When a team gets together and they accomplish a goal, isn't it like the best thing in the world? You're just like, I'm not even on the team, I don't go to the practices, I don't sweat on the field, but when they win, I'm like, yeah! Why? Because we love team participation. We love contributing to a win. We love winning. And see, the thing about, I think what God has called the church to be is God has called us to be a team that wins. We're on the winning side. We already have the victory in Jesus, and see, Acts tells us and gives us this picture of the Holy Spirit falling on the church and the people of God. And all of a sudden there is a togetherness that had never been seen before. There was not this togetherness at the cross. There wasn't the togetherness before the cross. This togetherness didn't take place until they find themselves in an upper room and the Holy Spirit falls, fills them with the Holy Ghost they start speaking in other tongues and people think that they're drunk in the middle of the day and they're like, no, we're just together. We're just having a good time. And all of a sudden, what does the Holy Spirit birth in them? The common goal and a common mission. It wasn't, their, it wasn't their mission, it was God's mission. That's what togetherness brings. It helps you to see the mission of Jesus and together we use our gifts, our talents, our strengths, and we move towards the thing that God's doing and it's fun, and it's messy, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, but oh my word, God is in it, and we already know we win. It's like the greatest national championship of all time. I'm going to the stadium knowing I'm going to win, and my team's going to do good, as long as we do it together. See, I don't think the church is winning very much right now, And I don't mean capital church alone. I mean the church in general. Why? Because there's not a lot of togetherness. There's not a lot of common goal, same mission. We're going in the same place. It's a lot of, I think this, I want to go here. I have a dream for what I need to do. There's no place in scripture that leads us to believe that God placed us on this earth to fulfill my mission. He does say though, we're here to accomplish his mission. But what we need as a church, is we need this fellowship that we see in Acts chapter 2. But the problem is they were devoted to it, the Bible says. Acts chapter 2 says they were devoted to the fellowship. I don't like the word fellowship. The reason being is I grew up in church. So fellowship gives weird connotation to me, okay? I think of a fellowship hall with metal chairs and a potluck. And we're talking jello with things in it I didn't know you could put in jello, you know? That's like a church girl right there. That's fellow. Like that's you know I grew up thinking, oh fellowship. Fellowship is you know hanging out, you know getting some food, maybe attending a small group or you know sitting in a in a gym where it's so loud and kids are running around screaming. And we're eating jello from someone I have no idea who made it. You know, but see so we've ruined the word I think fellowship, and I don't know if um, if it's the best translation of the original word. The original Greek word for fellowship here is koinonia. Koinonia, which means to have something in common to share with one another, this is what I think God has called the church to be involved in. Is some koinonia, some have some in common. We are good at talking about what we don't have in common. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know the you know the people in this church that you don't have something in common with because your friends on Facebook or you blocked them this year. This is the biggest laugh I've gotten yet, okay. I, got, I, I have a gauge, I have a gauge now, come on. You know what you don't have in common, but have we spent our time and our energy focusing on what we do have in common? What is the power of the early church? You th- and this is what I think we tend to think, well, they, don't, they didn't go through what we're going through. You're so right. They were being persecuted to talk about Jesus. You're right, we don't have it the same. We have it better. And we have the word of God. They didn't have the full canonized scripture. Yeah, we look at it and we're like, well, it's tough these days, you know, to have, have things in common. Yeah, it is. It was It wasn't back then too. Could try to convince the other Christians to keep on the faith even though they could die. Think about that. Think about raising your babies knowing that if they call on the name of the Lord, they might not make it to their 21st birthday. Imagine what it was like to be an early Christian. Imagine the ridicule and the persecution that they received simply by being in community. And yet we have so much in common today, but we focus on the things we don't have in common, and then guess what, there's no unity, And when there's no unity, there's no power. And when there's no power, there's no signs and wonders and miracles. And when there's no signs and wonders and miracles, we're not demonstrating to the world what a powerful God we serve, that we have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of us, but nobody in the world knows it because we're focusing on the not in common. And yet Koinonia here in in Acts tells us that this crazy group of early Christians got together and they had all things in common. And they got together and they fellowshiped with each other. They, they broke bread with each other. Man, they made sure nobody had a need in the community. So they brought all their possessions and all their things. They laid them at the feet of the apostles and they said, hey, does someone need this? Does someone need this? Can I See, the difference between fellowship and our community today versus what I think biblical koinonia is, is that we think community is for us to get something. Koinonia is to give something. The church of Jesus Christ is to be one where we give more than we get. We don't come to community and go like, man, I hope they sing the songs I like today. No, when you're driving in, you're like, I hope it's my favorite preacher today. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) It got him in the nine. I had to do it again. It was too good. I know I'm not, but thanks for the laugh. but come on, we think about how much we expect from community more than we involve ourselves and participate in community. See, fellowship and koinonia is less about my opinions, what I can get from it, what it'll give me, and it's more about my participation. The essential element of koinonia is participation. Participation with people you think different, people that look different, people that sound different, people that are come from different backgrounds. Isn't, I mean, come on, doesn't this blow your mind? This is God's idea. This is God's, Pastor Chris says this years ago, and it's my favorite thing. God has a mission, and he uses the church as his vehicle to accomplish that mission. And why God chose a church, it blows my mind. Because think about all the different people, all the different backgrounds, all the different agendas, ideas, hopes, and dreams, and he brings them together. And I think he laughs from heaven. Like, okay, get it together. You know what coinanía is in the 21st century? A group project. Wow. It's a group, pro- did you do group projects? You know one person was better than the rest. You know, some people were flaky and they had good skills but they didn't show up for the assignment, you know? This week in interns, I made the interns do a group project. It was twofold. Um, I teach the Bible, and teaching twelve minor prophets is exhausting. So, what I do is I make it a group project, and I break them up in groups, and I divvy up the pro- the, the minor prophets to them. I give them resources and tools to study those books, and then they can any way they want, how, as creatively as they want, or not so creatively. They will then present it to the class and teach the class the minor prophets. So they did this; they did it this week. It's a, it's brilliant. I get two days off of teaching. Come on, work hard, work smarter, not harder. You know, so they. <laughs> It's so entertaining to watch them get together. And I'm, you know, I mixed the groups up because I I didn't put them with their best friends. And I intentionally, you know, tried to mix some of the first year, second year, you know, just so that interesting dynamics, like I wanted more of the drama, the better for me was what I was thinking, you know, I was like, come on, because group projects are interesting. Working with people different than me is crucial, but it's hard. It's hard work. It's hard work to get into a group with someone. And A, I don't like the assignment. If I don't like the assignment, it shows. Or maybe I don't like the people in my group. And so then I just like, you know, occasionally participate or only participate as much as I want. But there's something about us coming together to give our gifts and our talents, our strengths that are God given. You did not come up with your own talents. God gave them to you. Your strengths are God given. They're anointed by God for his purposes. So here we are living in a group project that God is overseeing. The problem with it is that when we don't like the assignment that God has given us, we just kind of like, I'm I'm just gonna sit on the sidelines for this one. Or you always got that one in the group who likes to take charge, right? The bossy one. Who's like, this is the direction we're going. And everyone in the group's like, no, nope, it is. This is what we're doing. Are you sure? Like, you know, you always have that one who doesn't really want to be in unity with the rest, but wants to dominate the group project.
1: <laughs> it was funny to
0: watch the interns because I could tell who did more work than the others, you know, I was like, oh, it's cute. Cause I said, everyone has to participate, but I knew which ones gave more work. No offense. You're not going to get graded bad for that. You all did great. You all did great. But you could tell, like there was one that really, you know, that really owned it. Here's the problem with that in a life group project called the church is that God did not attend his church to be one does more than the other. He created his church and his community Koinonia to be where everybody has a participation or an involvement in the project. You all are essential to his project. No one is non-essential. But yet we tend to either sit on the sidelines and let other people usually we usually critique though on the sidelines, you know? It's like boys watching football, you know. Like they're re they seem to know everything when they watch it on TV, you know? Like I wouldn't have done that play call. Really? Okay. Oh, that one again. Why would they put that guy out there? You know, it's like calm down, you know? You played in high school. <laughs> You know it's true, though, but I love you all, and somehow we are the greatest critics, or it's like the soccer mom, you know, the soccer mom who's never played sports in her life, but is like yelling at the coach, like what he should do with her child, and it's like, it's everyone's like, Karen, stop, <laughs> you know, I'm saying this, to myself. I didn't play soccer, so I'm saying this to myself, I'll rewatch this one day when, when our kids play soccer, but Come on, we gotta be participants, but participants have to be in common, in unity, and not my common. Not what I want, not what you want, but what he wants. And that's the trick, is that in order to accomplish the mission of Jesus on this earth, which he has a mission, he does, I have to be in unity with what he's doing. You know, Paul never says in scripture, my ministry, my mission, the apostle Paul who of anyone in my estimation, Jesus didn't say. Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. I'm pretty sure Jesus, who's 100% man and 100% God and went to a cross and died and then rose again, probably could have said my ministry. What did he say? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of my father. See, we have to be kingdom people who talk like that, that have koinonia speech, where we're actively participating, but not in our dreams and vision, but in his. And his might look different than yours. And his might require you to do some things you don't like, or you wouldn't do, or you think could be done better. But you know what? You know what group participation does? You know what a group project does? It calls all of us into community together around the same goal, the same mission, the same vision, and we accomplish more. Have you ever thought to think, have you ever stopped to think, man, if, if we did everything I want to do, would we get very far? I mean, it's a good question. I don't know the answer fully. But I think if, if we did everything I wanted to do all the time in church, just me, just, you know, I didn't, we have an amazing exec team. Our pastors meet all the time. And what if everything was, we just, everything I want to do, we would get nothing done. Or it would be like, okay. But when we come together and we all talk about, hey, what do you think about this? What are your ideas? Oh, wow, you have such good insight on that. We come together and bring our strengths. All of a sudden we get aligned with God's vision and mission. We get much further, we accomplish more, and we reach more people. And the last time I checked, God's mission was about reaching broken, lost, hurting people his mission is about rescuing the world. So if his mission is about getting as many people to know him, then my job has got to be as much unity as I can stir up, as much as I can come into common with those that are in church and community with me. Guess what? We're going to run towards the things of God. But see, Paul doesn't just, or or the Bible doesn't just use Koinonia in um, Acts chapter 2. In fact. We see it throughout scripture about 19, 20 times in the the New Testament, depending on your translation. Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians in a different way. He says, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your koinonia, contribution, for them and for all others. Paul gives us an idea that koinonia is not just involvement or participation but now it is a financial involvement there's a financial involvement there is a there's a heart connection to this it's not just my participation and being in one in common but it's also I have a part to play in my finances in my heart in my resources with my time with my energy all these things go into participating in God's kind of koinonia, that he designed for the church to look like. Then Paul later in the in the book of Philippians says that I may know him. This is the one this is the koinonia I don't like. It says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his or sorry, and may koinonia share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is again indicating that what Jesus is asking is that we participate we get involved even if it comes to a financial maybe time resources energy and also to share in the sufferings of Jesus remember i said the early church was one that would be being persecuted you may be per- you may be persecuted unlikely to death but maybe ridiculed maybe mocked and we're like i don't know if i want to tell people about Jesus cuz you know people might think i'm weird that's the persecution we're afraid of Those are the sufferings we want to get away from. But Jesus says and reminds us that we will share in his sufferings. Paul tells us it's a part of koinonia. It's a part of community. You know why I love it though? It's because every time I've suffered or I've gone through something in my life, you know what it does? It draws me closer to Jesus. Have you ever been there, church? Have you ever gone through something and it's so weird that you actually understand some of the characteristics and the attributes of Jesus you never did before because now you can envision him on the cross in a different way. If you've ever been sick in your body, man, when you read that scripture, by his stripes, I've been made whole, man, it comes alive in your spirit. Why? Because you are sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. We are called as a Christian community to be ones who are participating in Koinonia. It's a group project. It's not like a fellowship hall with a potluck. It's not like modern day going to coffee. It's more than that. We've ruined the words fellowship and community. We've destroyed them. We've made them about us when koinonia is all about what we can give to the kingdom and how we can build his mission and his plan. See, community in and of itself, just the word tells us what it should be about. Come, with, unity, Unity, (laughs) with unity. Community should be a place where we come together as a team, not as individuals. See, scripture knows nothing of the solitary Christian. Every part of scripture is, is group participation, is using people groups. Jesus didn't pick one disciple, he picked 12. Paul didn't go into cities alone. He would take someone with him and usually have 30 to 40 people waiting for him in the town he was gonna go minister to. There was no solitary individual ministry going on in the early church. All of it was all of them coming together with the same vision, same goal, same purpose. And look at what God can do with common interest, power, miracles, signs, wonders. Like we can, we can experience some of that in an individual, you know, experience, but isn't it crazy how much different a corporate experience is than a personal experience? God intended them to be different because there's power in unity. There's power when we come together. And Pastor Mark talked about it during the transition. Can you imagine if the whole world saying this at the same time? Can you imagine the unity? Can you imagine the breakout of signs and wonders? Can you imagine what would happen? There'd be rescue, it'd be a rescue operation mission right then. All of a sudden, thousands are getting saved. That's what happened in Acts. 1.2,000 get saved. Another point, point five thousand get saved in one day. And we're like, how did that happen? Peter must have been a great preacher. I don't think he was. I think he had the power of the Holy Ghost. And he had a church that was in Koinonia. And you know what's an unstoppable force? A church that is unified. Whoo! it's an unstoppable force. Because the then the spirit of Jesus is able to release whatever he wants in his community because we are in one agreement, in one chord, and have oneness in spirit. The gospel is not just for individuals. It is for people groups. It is for a family. It is for a community. It is for all of us. It is all about togetherness. We are better together. Acts chapter two, verse 44 says, and all who believe were together and had all things in common. Where did they get this model? Well, Jesus gives us the model in Luke chapter nine. When he called the 12 disciples together, he gave them power and authority over all demons and cured diseases. And then he goes on in verse two. If we have that, verse two. This is my favorite part. We got verse two. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. What happens when you get together? God sends you out. Healing, signs, wonders, miracles. I'm just crazy enough to believe for healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. I, I I don't think Jesus died for a dead church that doesn't see miracles. Jesus died for a church that was gonna be in unity, powerful, and seeing miracles. But he has to wait till there's koinonia, till there's a common vision and mission. Where we're all going in the same direction, not trying to go this way or that way. I mean, I, I think about this with 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 the disciples. Jesus used this. I don't think Peter was like, "Okay, I'm gonna go this way, Jesus." And you know, John's like, "I'm gonna stick with you, Lord, because I'm your beloved." You know, I'm just gonna go where you go. And then and the other ones are like, "Well, I'm gonna go do something over here." That wouldn't have worked. What did Jesus do? He sent them out. He'd bring them together, and then he'd send them out. He'd bring them together, and he would send them out. See, Koinonia is coming together and letting Jesus and His mission send us out in the world. But some of us would rather sit on the sidelines and let somebody else do the involvement and participation. Or some of us, we don't like the group assignment we've been given. We don't like the way church does this, or we think church could do this better, or we, we want to go in this direction. And yet we don't understand that by our our ability to, to critique the direction of something, we're causing disunity. And where there isn't unity, there's not power. And God wants a powerful church. He wants a unified body that accomplishes more together than we could ever accomplish on our own. I have no personal dreams of ministry or uh, of furthering. People always talk about, oh yeah, you know, what do you want to do? I want to build his kingdom. <laughs> it, it literally doesn't even, I don't understand. I think it comes from being in ministry so long. It's like, you look at him like, no, I don't have a ministry. This isn't my church. You're not my people. I've been called of God to serve the same way you've been called of God to serve, just in a different capacity. All I want to do for the rest of my life is wherever God tells me to serve. I serve. And if it's preaching for a while, it's preaching. It used to be leading worship. It used to be admin work. It used to being a small group leader. It was a children's worker from the time I was seven years old when I was a child. I don't know why they let me work in children's ministry. (laughs) It was cleaning bathrooms. At every point in my life, I've just wanted to be a part of the winning mission. It didn't matter where it was. It didn't matter at what point in my life. And there were times and seasons of my life I thought I should be doing something else than I was. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I'd watch people. I'm like, I've been, do, I've been watching this the whole of my life. I could do that better than you. No, Lord didn't let me. Why? Because God didn't need me to do that. He needed me to be an administrator. He needed me to, needed me to serve some of the other pastors and the leaders. He needed me to be a small group leader and pastor young girls and disciple them. And then God said, okay, now I need you to do this. And then when he finally told me to preach, I was like, I don't want to. (laughs) Now I know how hard it is. And you're responsible for a lot. But the Holy Spirit, now's the time you step in this. But one day, I won't be a preacher probably forever. Maybe God will have me do something else. But it'll always be in building his kingdom and his mission. Why? Because I believe in koinonia with all my heart. I believe that whatever gifts God has given me, he gave me to build his church. And if for this season, this is where he needs me, man, I'll do it with all my heart. I'll do it with a glad heart. I will do it with all joy. I will do it with such honor. But when God says, hey, I need somebody to go out here and do this, I'll run, I'll run to do it. Why? Because koinonia doesn't matter what you do insofar as we're participating. Some of you are waiting for a certain job or role and the Holy Spirit says, no, I just want you to get in the game. A team is not a team unless every position is filled. And a team that hasn't had a very deep bench or does, if all their players are hurt, guess what? They're not gonna win the game. But if you have a team that's full of people who know the goal and know the mission to win and know the purpose of God to tell every broken and hurting soul in the whole Treasure Valley about the love and the saving power and the rescuing of Jesus, then guess what? You just jump in the game. You'll find anything to do. Why? Because we have koinonia. We're involved. We have all things in common and it's called Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings us together. We, fo- we cannot fulfill our destiny outside of koinonia. You, you'll have a good life, no no question. God blesses, honors, whatever. But you won't fulfill the destiny God has put on your heart and your life without koinonia. Why? Because from the beginning of time, he always designed fellowship. How do I know that? Adam and Eve in the garden. Why did he place them in the garden? Creation wasn't complete until he made Adam and Eve Wasn't complete, remember? Then it was good when he placed fellowship, when he placed koinonia. And then what happened? They had friendship and communion with God all day long until sin came in and crept into the garden. Then fellowship was broken. But then we have Jesus finished work on the cross that brought back koinonia, brought back fellowship between us and the Father. But here's what we forget. Jesus didn't go just to the cross to reconcile us back to God. He also went to the cross to reconcile us to each other. So when we are walking and operating in koinonia, we are in right relationship with him and right relationship with others. So you can't be in koinonia and come to church and be mad at someone in church. You can't. That's not koinonia. You can't have bitterness in your heart and be mad at somebody and walk into, into church and be like, oh yeah, let's praise him. You can do it, but you're not in koinonia. You're not in unity. You're not in one accord. You're not going in the same mission, same direction. Why? Because you've allowed something to disrupt, just like Adam and Eve did. They broke fellowship, they broke koinonia. We too can break koinonia in our hearts and our life. How did the early church practice koinonia? Confessing their sins one to another. Being hospitable. Caring for each other. carrying one another's burdens. <laughs> Serving one another. Admonishing one, encouraging one another. This is what koinonia looks like in expression. Koinonia is not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. And the key emphasis I believe of this kind of koinonia is that it looks like harmony. That's when you know, and we're gonna do something because it happened in worship and it was the perfect analogy of this message. I love music and I love singing because you can sing unison, right? And it sounds good. Unison, we're all singing the same note, nobody's singing harmony. We're not off the melody line. We're all singing the same melody, right? That's unison. And the worship team did it in the, our last song. And then all of a sudden, and you, if you're not musical, you might not have noticed, but then all of a sudden they broke out into harmony. And it was like, woo, I could feel it. I was like, oh my gosh, man, their, their unison sounded good. It was beautiful, but their harmony was powerful. That is the picture of koinonia and the church. You can can do your thing, you can do it. But when you offer your gifts and your strengths, when you come to community and fellowship and say, God, what can I give? What can I do? How can I be involved? How can I participate? How can I share? How can I be in one accord, oneness, togetherness? When you do that, all of a sudden, miracles break out, signs and wonders break out. Those things you've been praying for, those things you've been believing for, those things you've been standing for, all of a sudden you start seeing them breaking out all over the globe. Why? Because it's harmony. That's koinonia. That's the church. And isn't it like the devil to spend the whole last year breaking apart togetherness? Isn't it just like the devil? Isn't it just like him? To try to weasel in your heart and your spirit and to start pointing out the things you don't agree with that person, and this person, and that person. When all along, you have the same things in common church, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the body and the blood of a savior on a cross who died for you and rose again for you so that you could stand in agreement with him. Don't you dare. Let the serpent come in your garden and deceive you and manipulate you. You were made for together. You were made to participate. You are not someone who has no gifts or talents. Every season of your life, you're essential. You might be a young person and you don't know where you fit. God knows. You might be a mom who's at her wits end, God's got a place for you. You might be an empty nest or you've got all the time in the world, guess what? There's a place for you. Doesn't matter where you are, God knows and he has a place for you in the family, why? Because we're better together. Do you know what actually the most beautiful, best picture of koinonia is? It's communion. Why? Because when we take and participate in the elements of communion, it reminds us of what His broken body and His blood did to reconcile us back to Him. But we forget the second part. It also shows us how it has reconciled us back to each other so we can have unity in the body and we can do what He's called us to do. We are called church to be a powerful church. We are called church to be a unified body that goes in the same direction, the same purpose, the same call. And I promise you, we win. We win. We win. Come on, would you stand with me today? We're going to, the way we're going to respond to this message is by taking communion. It just happens to be our communion Sunday. And I don't think there's a better way to respond then together to take communion. But here's the thing, when you take communion, you participate in the Eucharist. Some people ask, am I, am I able to take communion? Well, it, you have to have your heart right with God. So you know what I do before I peel open that top layer and I take my bread and I take the, take the juice, you know what I do? I make sure I'm in right relationship with God. And if there's something in my heart, maybe burrowed in there, Maybe, I, maybe the Holy Spirit quickens something that I maybe messed up on this week or maybe I had a bad attitude or something. You know what I do? I repent. I get right with God. I, I, I say, God, forgive me for this, for that action, for that thought. Then you know what I do? I make sure I'm right with, with, with each other. If there's someone I'm frustrated with, someone I'm holding unforgiveness towards. Maybe I did something this week and I know I offended someone. You know what I do in that moment? I repent and I forgive. Then I'm in a position to participate in the communion with Jesus. He broke his body and his blood poured out so that you and I could live as a church in harmony. And we together can accomplish more than we ever could on our own. What a beautiful gift. What a wonderful savior. What a beautiful savior that he would do that so that today we could stand powerful in Him. That today we could participate in His rescue operation plan for the world. That as messy and messed up as we can be, we get to be in His group project for the world. But it starts with communion. And so I just want you for a moment, they're gonna sing a little bit behind us, but I want you to take a moment and reflect. I want you to do that. Get your relationship right with Him and write with others, just for a moment. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And just, if you need to repent, repent. You know what repent is? Change a direction. Say, God, I'm sorry, yep, I admit, I, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that. Thank you for your grace. Oh, I might sin, but your grace abounds so much more. Come on, just talk to him right now in Jesus' Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.